0: Welcome to La Raza Chronicles. Bienvenidos a Crónicas de la Raza. On tonight's program, we bring you Noticias Sin Fronteras, an interview on El Salvador's upcoming election, a discussion on food justice, which will be the focus of this year's social justice forum, and a commentary marking the passing of beloved culture worker Alfonso Texidor. Y, como siempre, música. Listen and enjoy. We begin with the news.
1: Buenas noches, this is Velma V with Noticias Sin Fronteras, news headlines without borders from America Latina for the week ending February 15th. Haiti. Ongoing street protests continue in Haiti where a two-day general strike calling for the resignation of President Martelet just ended this past weekend. The Haitian Electoral Council, which was formed in response to the political crisis, announced the first round of elections for this July for 20 senators and the entire lower chamber. The second round will be held later in the fall, in October, with the long-awaited presidential election. Yolette Mangual, a member of the Electoral Council, stated, We are working very actively to organize free, fair, transparent, democratic, and inclusive elections in Haiti. Opposition groups continued their call for the immediate resignation of President Martelet. República Dominicana sharing the same island with haiti the dominican republic continues to struggle with claims that rising racial animus and anti-haitian attitudes were responsible for the lynching of a haitian man at a public plaza last week the murder comes at a tense time for dominicans of haitian descent who have been targeted by dominican immigration officials for the last year and a half a 2013 dominican court ruling denied children of haitian migrants citizenship retroactive to 1930 unless they can prove that their parents migrated to the Dominican Republic legally. The net effect of the law is to strip thousands of Dominican-born Haitians of their Dominican citizenship, leaving them in effect stateless and subject to deportation to Haiti. Erica Guevara-Rosas, the America's director of Amnesty International stated, when the vast majority of these people were born, the dominican law at the time recognized them as citizens stripping them of this right and then creating impossible administrative hurdles to stay in the country is a violation of their human rights venezuela venezuelan officials announced last week the arrest of a retired air force general and implicated thirteen others in a plot to overthrow venezuelan president nicolas maduro maduro stated that the plan was to attack the presidential palace and other government buildings. This announcement came shortly after the country sought dueling protests and counter demonstrations commemorating the one-year anniversary of anti-government protests that took place last year in February. Mexico, earlier this month, a team of forensic experts from Argentina questioned the Mexican government's official investigation into the disappearance of 43 male students from Iguala. The experts, who were hired on behalf of the families of the missing students, said that the evidence does not support the government's conclusions. The team, which is officially known as the Argentine Forensic Anthropologist Team, stated in their scientific report that they, quote, would like to reiterate that it doesn't exclude the possibility that some of the students met the fate described by the attorney general, But in our opinion, there is no scientific evidence to support that in the Cocula garbage dump. The Argentine team was first established in 1984 to investigate cases of at least 9,000 missing people under Argentina's military dictatorship from 1976 to 1983. Brazil. And finally, this past weekend was Carnaval season in Brazil and all over Latin America, really. Today is Fat Tuesday and it is the last official night of the annual Bacanal, which is celebrated in cities all over the Caribbean, Latin America and New Orleans in the United States. Over one million tourists are expected in Rio alone for the Carnaval, where top samba schools face off in dancing and percussion competitions. While Brazil faces a host of economic problems as well as water shortages from an epic drought and an unexpected rainfall at the beginning of the parade, that has not put a stop to all the dancing, drinking, and spectacular costumes that mark carnival season for so many of us Latinos across the globe. This has been a summary of some of the latest news headlines from America Latina. I'm Vilma V for Noticias Sin Fronteras and La Raza Chronicles. If you have a news item that you would like to share or have us track, email us at chronicles at KPFA.org.
2: This is Nina
3: Serrano for La Raza Chronicles. I have on the phone Carl Kramer. He's with the Committee in Support of the People of El Salvador. Welcome, Carl, to the Raza Chronicles.
4: Hi, Nina. It's always good to be on your show.
3: Yes, and what's wonderful about having you on the show is that you are so well-informed and so tuned in to what's going on in El Salvador. And we're counting on you today to fill us in a little. We know that the progressive candidates mm-hmm. won the elections, but what does all that mean, and what can we Expect.
4: Well, Salvador Sanchez Saran of the FMLN won the presidential elections last year. The National Assembly legislative elections are coming up this March 1st. And while the FMLN has the plurality in the legislative assembly, they don't hold the majority. And so the uh, the battle this year is For the FMLN to, of course, retain its seats, but to also gain more seats in the National Assembly so that it can move the progressive program of the, the executive branch forward, and in the number of progressive changes have happened in this past year, expansion of health care, and as, as people have heard, security situation in El Salvador is very dire, and the government is responding by rolling out a, a plan that uh, focuses on violence prevention, providing more opportunities for young people, recreation centers, and then most importantly, job training and job creation to really go to the roots of the cause of violence, which is poverty. Uh, So for the government to continue on this road and to make the large corporations, and particularly transnational corporations, pay their fair share of taxes to pay for these progressive programs, the FMLN needs to retain uh, both all the seats it has and also to work on gaining seats.
3: And are there still corporate lawsuits against El Salvador?
4: Uh, There's the Pacific Rim lawsuit, which is a a Canadian mining company since bought up by Australian mining company that is uh, attempting to extract millions of dollars from El Salvador because it was turned down and getting a mining permit uh, using cyanide uh, in a very environmentally sensitive area. Uh, that would have uh, threatened the water source for many people in El Salvador. In addition, there's uh, a number of different U.S.-backed initiatives that are taking place in El Salvador. The Millennium Challenge Corporation Compact, the, the new Alliance for Prosperity, and also an ongoing program, that, that uh, has been kind of the umbrella for a lot of neoliberal projects that the U.S. government has been pushing in uh, El Salvador.
3: Are these projects basically pushing for tax breaks for the corporations?
4: That is part of it. In a larger sense, it's pushing to create vast areas of zone for maquilas, that would provide uh, the tax incentives and also exclusion from different labor protections. So
3: these protections. are basically we would call them sweatshops.
4: In, uh, in a nutshell is the vision for the U.S. policy is to create um, just a vast expanse of sweatshop modeling now in Honduras and then now demanding that El Salvador provide these kind of exemptions for transnational corporations.
3: So what do you think is going to happen in the March election, or is it too soon to tell?
4: Well, polls are showing the race to be neck to neck. Of course, most of the polling agencies are uh, owned by papers and media outlets, but it does uh, look like it's going to be a close election. The Salvadoran version of the Supreme Court, which has uh, had long-term appointments from uh, the previous Arena administration, has been issuing a number of edicts, making changes in the whole electoral process. Favoring the right-wing candidate. In fact, what the shit taking place is that the, the uh, elections now, the ballots are reflecting that, uh, indiv- uh, focusing on the individuals rather than the political party. Um, and this is because um, the arena has become very discredited um, previous presidents been indicted for corruption and embezzlement um, that the actual arena candidates are running away from the arena brand but the uh, the changes have taken place have also opened up to huge amounts of uh, corporate funding of these candidates, and so they 're getting a lot of television play that uh, makes it a, a you know, they're very, uh, makes it appear that the uh, the most telegenic candidates are the ones that uh, are going to win the elections. And uh, uh, in the FMLN, uh, is running on a very grassroots strategy of being out there talking to people directly, uh, talking to them about the uh, changes that have taken place and, and where the country needs to move forward. And, you know, a big part of that is uh, addressing the uh, long standing issues, uh, particularly the, uh, the historic conditions of uh, poverty that are the legacy of a long period of, of U.S. imperialism and neocolonialism. <laughs>
3: We're looking forward to hearing about what happens at the election, so we'll be counting on you for our information. So thank you very much, Carl Kramer, of the Committee in Solidarity with the people of El Salvador CISPES.
4: And thank you, Nina, for having me on your show again.
3: Un placer.
0: You're listening to La Raza Chronicles, Cronicas de La Raza. I'm Julieta Cusnid, and today we're going to be talking about an important forum happening this weekend. It's the Social Justice Forum that happens at Holy Names University in Oakland every year, and this year the themes are really focused around food justice. I have on the line with me Javier De Paz, who works at the Center for Social Justice and Civic Engagement at Holy Names University. I also have on the line with us, we also have Nadia Barhum, who is a researcher and analyst with the Haas Institute for a Fair and Inclusive Society at UC Berkeley. Nadia will be part of the forum and she will be giving one of the workshops that will be happening on Saturday. Thank you both for joining me. Um, There's a lot happening this weekend, so Javier, why don't you give our listeners a sense of what Saturday is going to be about and what they can expect to experience if they are able to come through.
5: First and foremost, we want to thank you for giving us the opportunity to share with the Bay Area community about the upcoming Food Justice Forum. The Center for Social Justice and Civic Engagement at Holy Names University seeks to bring together community members to engage in dialogue about social justice issues and identify ways to take action through our annual Bay Area Social Justice Forum. The forum provides opportunities for participants to meet with, with several local social justice organizations and find ways to get involved. Uh, this year, our theme will be centered around food justice with keynote speaker, Brian Terry. Brian Terry is a chef an educator and an author renowned for his activism to create a healthy, justice, sustainable food system. This day-long conference will feature workshops covering topics surrounding food justice, such as food access and scarcity, sustainability, and how food injustice impacts marginalized communities locally as well as internationally. The forum will also feature community organizing workshops to bring community members together and implement tangible action steps to live with from the forum. For the second part of the afternoon workshops, we are looking at community initiatives and how people can get involved Additionally, there will be time to network with community organizations that are doing work in the food justice movement. We've invited over 20 different community organizations to share information and resources with the community.
0: So that's what's happening this Saturday, the 21st, all day, our it it's very early and it, there's just a lot happening that day. It's very full, happening here in Oakland, and we are lucky to have a couple folks actually on with us. We're going to speak to Esperanza Payana. she's the director of the Oakland Food Policy Council, and she will be presenting a workshop at this Saturday's event called Structural Violence in the Food System. So Esperanza, thank you so much for joining us, this is a huge topic, it's a very important one. We have a short time with you, can you give our listeners a sense of some of the themes you'll be covering in this very important panel?
6: I think what we're really going to be focusing on is the crossover between the, the many different issues that are being talked about looking within the city of Oakland, looking at housing and transit and food, and how at the end of the day, each of us you know, that are working in these fields are actually looking to impact, to change, and in many cases transform the systems that we're working with. And within those systems are the barriers that we run up against, which I think are conveyed often in structural violence to our communities.
0: You'll be part of the Holy Names Annual Bay Area Social Justice Forum. How can people connect to your work at the Food Policy Council to stay up on all the great work that you all are doing?
6: You can find out more about the Oakland Food Policy Council by going to our website, which is oaklandfood.org. We also welcome people to join us at our public meetings, which are held the third Thursday of each month from 5 p.m. to 7 p.m. And you can find additional information by looking on our website about locations and by contacting me as well. And I think that um, the more that we uh, talk about it and have community dialogue around looking at actual structural violence and calling it what it is, the more fruitful our dialogues are going to be.
0: So we also have on the line with us Nadia Barhum. She's a researcher with the Haas Institute for a Fair and Inclusive Society at UC Berkeley. So Nadia, I know you'll be speaking at the forum, focusing your work on the role of corporations in global food systems. My intuition tells me that the role of corporations is not a good one. But um, why don't you give us more context and give our listeners a little bit more information about what you're going to be sharing during your workshop?
7: Sure. Thanks for having us on your program. I'm going to be speaking about the role of corporations in the food system and, and the increasing power that they have and control over, you know, the production distribution of the food that we eat from the U.S. to around the world. Um, I don't think that many people know that there's just a few corporations, a handful of corporations that actually have control over the majority of the food that we eat here. And so I'm going to try to kind of unmask that and give a little bit of a better idea about who those players are in the food system, how they influence our policies on the government level, to how they also impact our lives from a health perspective, you know, with the increasing rates of obesity, diabetes, with all of the processed sugary foods and drinks that we have, to also the impact on the environment. Uh, I don't think people get to see really all of the environmental impact that industrial agriculture has from you know these monocultures of growing just corn fields and wheat fields across the midwest and the runoff of all the fertilizers and pesticides into the into the water into the soil and um in the words of of one of my favorite thinker is Wes Jackson. He, he always says that we treat the soil like dirt. So I'm going to be talking a little bit more about that and, and how it impacts, you know, our communities and, and what we can do on an individual and a collective level to challenge that corporate power and consolidation.
0: Thank you, Nadia. That's wonderful that along with giving essential information that's left out of the public discourse when we talk about issues like obesity and like global warming and all the kind of environmental issues we're facing, often the food systems and the corporations roles in those food systems completely left out so you said that you're also be offering people who are attending the social justice forum and some tools and some hope because I think oftentimes people feel hopeless because corporations are so powerful could you give us a preview of some of the tools or ideas that you have about how we could stand up against corporate control of global food systems
7: yeah, of course. I think, I mean, just in the last year or so, there's been some like really incredible examples of how people have been able to organize and really challenge the corporate food system. One of which being in, in Maui, they're able to ban genetically modified crops from growing there, which is a huge victory. And then also there's been a massive organizing on the international level of, of food chain workers, especially fast food workers and the global strike that happened against those corporations like McDonald's, KFC, Pizza Hut, all of them that don't don't give workers fair wages or benefits. And so I think those are two two examples of actual real work that's happening on the ground and and there's a lot of smaller smaller voices that get left out uh from the very local level of folks who are, are you know actually creating alternatives to the industrial food system and I'll talk a little bit about those that are happening in Richmond and, and Oakland.
0: That's the voice of Nadia Barhum. she'll be part of the Social Justice Forum that's happening this Saturday at Holy Names University. So Nadia how can people stay up on the great work that you all are doing at UC Berkeley? Maybe some people are listening in the Central Valley, maybe they can't come on Saturday. How can people have access to this great information and research you all are doing?
7: So we have uh, we have a website. It's the Haas Institute for a Fair and Inclusive Society. We have some of our work posted there, and you can follow us on Twitter or follow us on Facebook. We're actually also going to be planning a conference coming up in May on SNAP, and then we'd love to have people from the community come and be a part of that. And you can find me online and reach out to me if you have any other information you'd like to share.
0: So, Javier, why don't you give us some more of a sense of the details? People are probably excited. They want to sign up.
5: Sure. Uh, So the event is happening this Saturday from 8.30 to 3.30 p.m. And it's happening at Holy Names University, the Valley Center for the Performing Arts, 3500 Mountain Boulevard, Oakland, California. To access the registration page, People can go to www.hnu.edu slash socialjustice, and that will take you to our registration page, and you, you can have access to, to the to worship descriptions as well as the, the schedule of the day. The morning worships are really about bringing that information to the community, to people you know, who, who uh, may not be familiar with the, with the issue of food justice, and we're going to have presenters from, from the community. Uh, one of the, the workshops that we're offering is called Social Justice, Food Justice, Education, and the School Meal Program. And this interactive session will engage participants in the intersection between Social Justice, Food Justice, Education, and the School Meal Program here in Oakland. We're also going to be offering Food Justice 101 with Leon Davis from Hub Collaborative. In this session, participants will review the unique barriers that East and West Oakland face in relation to food justice by looking at health disparities income disparities, high crime rate, low property value, and the connection to food access. We are also going to have youth speak. Present here, they're going to lead a workshop titled The Bigger Picture. In this worship, the the students will be sharing testimonies on how type two diabetes and unhealthy environments has, uh, impacts the community. And in the after, in the afternoon, what we're looking at is really initiatives that are happening in the community. And we're gonna have Sarah Ting from uh, Youth Help Collaborative as well. This uh this worship, she's gonna be working with young people from the community and and sharing with us how she organizes young people in the community to develop projects that are food justice oriented we're also going to have professor claudia albano from the school of uh, social welfare from uc berkeley and she's going to be talking about how we can organize because a lot of folks what we found from the previous years is that a lot of people they have ideas and and they have projects in mind but sometimes they may not necessarily be familiar with the organizing process and so we're going to have professor claudia share with us an overview of the theory and practice of grassroots community organizing. Uh, we want to we wanna make sure that this forum is accessible to everyone, and we would definitely love to have um, young students from the community here and, and from our sister universities. So what we're doing this year is we're also providing uh, scholarships that will cover the registration costs. And if anyone needs a scholarship, they can just register, and there's an option when, when you go to the registration page where you just click student and, and you can register for free. And for uh, people who are not able to to make it because they you know they have other plans or they have to work, we are going to be recording, and, and of course, uh, we're going to have uh, local news uh, reporters. Uh, covering the issue and you can access this we're going to record the keynote address and we're going to upload that to holy names university uh youtube channel if you just type holy names university youtube channel you should be able to to act to get to the to the youtube channel that we have
0: Thank you, Javier. It's an all-day event. It'll be an opportunity for those who are interested in this issue to connect with organizations and get more information. You decided on food justice. It's a really important issue. It's connected to so many things. But why did you all decide to have this be the focus?
5: Last year, actually, was our fourth annual uh, Social Justice Forum, and we were commemorating the 50th anniversary of the March on Washington. And every year at the end of our conference, we ask people from the community and students as well. We hand out a survey, and we ask students and, and community members what they would like to see the following year. And everyone, from all the surveys that we received, they wanted to have something around food. And so that's how we, we, we selected the, the topic for this year.
0: Give folks the information again. Where can they read about it and register online?
5: Yes. So the registration is go to www. H-N-U that E-D-U slash social justice. And we also have a Facebook page. We have, um, aside from the forum, we also have other events that are open to the community. Our link to our face- Facebook page is www.facebook.com C-S-J-C-E. And we post all of our events to our Facebook page. And if you have any questions, you can also email me at depaz, that's D-E-P-A-Z, at HNU.edu, or you can call me at 510-436-1323.
0: Food is a a very important issue. As we all know, food is very connected to culture and health and self-determination. So thank you all for joining us, and um, we look forward to covering this issue in the future.
7: Thank you. Thank you.
8: Creo en lo imposible, que la locura más fuerte es buscar cómo ser libre. Veo lo imposible, que de nuestras espaldas brotarán las alas que nos harán volar invencible. Veo lo imposible. Que el simbó silenciara el efecto de sus misiles Creo en lo imposible, creo que es posible Hacer de este mundo un mundo sensible Creo en nuestros sueños como punta de lanza El arma perfecta para nivelar la balanza Creo en las acciones, las acciones cotidianas Que te llenan de vida, te llenan de esperanza
9: En lo pequeño radica la fuerza Con tu cariño yo caminaré Imaginando rutinas bellas Para dar vuelta al mundo al revés Empezar por nuestra casa primero, romper con todos nuestros miedos. Ser consecuente, de cuerpo y de mente, para alzar el vuelo por senderos nuevos. Porque tu luz cotidiana enciende la sonrisa que sale por la mañana. Creo en ti, porque veo tu fuerza inexplicable, esa justa dignidad que comenzó. No Creo en ti, yo reafirmo que tu rabia proviene del dolor y tu lucha florece del
8: amor. Problemas y dilemas, con trabas, con vallas, con tropiezos y con penas Creo en el cotidiano, que hemos hecho mano Tallado con el paso de lo que caminamos
9: Nadie muestra su careta, sonrisas y morilletas, Solo esconden la verdad, desarticulando la micropolítica de la vida personal Creo en nuestros sueños, volando el cielo Creo en tus acciones más fuertes que balas Transformando nuestro barrio al final de la jornada Con ideas del dinero...
8: En los convencidos Ni a predicar a los que se sienten vencidos yo fin a compartir con quien haya entendido Que la pelea Empieza por el nido Porque tu luz cotidiana Enciende la sonrisa que sale por la mañana Creo en ti Porque en veo en tu fuerza inexplicable Esa fruta
9: dignidad que Creo en ti Yo reafirmo que tu rabia proviene del dolor Y tu lucha
8: florece del amor Porque en ti me veo yo
9: Y elegiré otra.
0: Our Lajasa Chronicles listeners love their music. We have a ticket giveaway for an upcoming show on Sunday, March 1st, The New Generation of Young Flamencos. It's a flamenco concert at the Mountain View Center for Performing Arts, 500 Castro Street, Mountain View, California. The Flamenco Society is pleased to present directly from Spain an exclusive appearance of the new generation of young flamencos who are Spain's top young flamenco artists. They will be appearing in the U.S. for the first time. They will be showcasing guitarist Mario Moraga, who we're about to play. He's considered one of the best up and coming flamenco guitarists. We're giving away two pairs of tickets to this to our fifth and tenth callers. Listen up and call during the song. You can call 510 848 4425. That's 510 848 4425. Enjoy!
3: Commentary for La Raza Chronicles. Alfonso Texador, poet, activist, and El Tecolote calendar editor, passed away on December 25th, Christmas Day, 2014. This February 8th, community poets, family, and friends held a beautiful memorial tribute to Alfonso Texador, hosted by Jorge Argueta of Luna's Press at Café Bohem on 24th Street in the heart of the mission in San Francisco. The café overflowed with people wanting to express their love and unity. The event filled with music, poems, and memories began with the outdoor dancing prayers of beautiful Aztec dancers in the drizzling rain. Because Alfonso Texador frequented Café Bohème, because he walked the streets of the mission in an inclusive way, Greeting everyone and distributing flyers for cultural and political events, he was greatly beloved. After the gathering at Café Bohème, a procession walked around the corner to the Mission Cultural Center for another gathering. Among the poets paying tribute was the first Chicano Poet Laureate of San Francisco, Alejandro Murguia, who declared that Alfonso Texador was the mayor of the mission, and as such he should have the alley around the corner from La Boheme be named after Alfonso. Poet Francisco X. Alarcón wrote this poem. This is Francisco X. Alarcón's poem. It's a small alley, the side street next to Café Boheme the Mission Rescue Chapel for poets, artists, and other misfits. It's a daily, dead-end backstreet of only few yards. But it's big as you really want it to be. For me, it's Alfonso Texador Boulevard, a Via Poetica, a Camino Real, a magic passage leading to a verdant island and the stars. You will change forever just by walking by it. The revolution starts very deep in the heart. If you listen hard, you will hear the call of the tropical coquille announcing a new day, the voice of the poet thundering, "Acordar, caña! You just heard me read Francisco Arlacón's poem for Alfonso Texador. My Google search shows that Texador is derivative of the word tejido, weaving. Alfonso's journey through life spun a web of community. He trundled down the 24th Street corridor down to La Boheme in the Mission Cultural Center and spread the word the words that made us a community, even if the forces of greed evict families into the street and their possessions into dumpsters and carry us to different geographic location where it follows us. Alfonso was a man of few resources, but he used them well. He had bad health, often no phone or computer access living in a small hotel room but he reached people by walking down the street and talking to them, as simple and beautiful as that. Over the decades, Alfonso would phone me all excited. He'd scored a venue for a poetry reading, and would I help him by reading and recruiting other poets, writing the press release, I would groan and say yes at the thought of more unpaid labor. At the poetry readings, Alfonso rarely read his own poems, but rather the poems of others, often Puerto Rican poets. I don't think he wrote much poetry. No matter the size of the reading, they left me with the inspiration from the poets and a sense of belonging, being part of a community of creation and resistance. That was Alfonso. Weaving a web of belonging and unity in spite of it all, declaring our humanity towards one another through our disabilities, hardships, art, and solidarity. Alfonso, I am so glad for the opportunities you gave me to say yes. That was my tribute to Alfonso Texador. We're joined in the studio with musician, activist, educator, John Santos who also came because he has a poem for Alfonso. Bienvenidos, John,
2: to La Raza Chronicles. Thank you so much, Anina. an honor to be here. So what did you write, and how did you know Alfonso? Well, I, I was just inspired to, to write a very brief poem. But uh, Alfonso, I have to say, I know him a long time. I didn't know him well. We never spent time hanging out. We never spent a lot of time together. But he was always there. It seems like he was there for... Most of those year, the early years, at least from the '80s, and uh, Alfonso was just always a positive force, a uh, very encouraging force. He gave a lot of encouragement to the young revolutionaries, so to speak, because he was a veterano, and he saw that we were just learning about solidarity with these struggles. and he And he was a a, a voice of encouragement for us, and helped us, and informed us, and was a confidant for us in that way. Yes, and could you tell us a little bit about his connection to Puerto Rico, for example? Well, I know that Alfonso was born in Santurce, Puerto Rico. I'm not sure exactly when, but uh, Alfonso, as a student there in the mid 60s, joined the independence movement and, and was involved, as many of the students were, with altercations with the police, and there were a lot of confrontations, and he had to leave. I, related to the the police activity. And
3: I know that he then went to New York, and there he got involved with a wild anarchist group. And I'll just tell you the first name of the group, which is Mother. I'm not allowed to tell you the whole name because it's against the FCC regulations, but you can just imagine. (laughs) And they were very active against the war in Vietnam. And then in the 80s, he came to San Francisco and became such a pillar of the
2: community. Indeed. Can you read us your poem? I would love to. It's called Guerrillero. El guerrillero nace recitando poesía, contemplando la belleza de lo que se llaman esta vida. Saboreando la injusticia por primera vez, gritas en alta voz que no aceptamos el estupidez. Se dedica fuertemente al movimiento del amor. Vienes abriendo caminos con el enfoque y su bastón. Tumba al enemigo con su pluma y su visión y vive siempre en el profundo del colectivo corazón. Para Alfonso Texidor.
3: How wonderful, and that it rhymes in Spanish. So now could you give us the English version and we'll understand if it
2: doesn't rhyme. Okay. Uh, It means that the, the gorilla is born reciting poetry and contemplating the beauty of that which we call life this life tasting injustice for the first time he yells in a loud voice that we will not accept the stupidity he's very strongly dedicated to the movement of love and he opens he comes opening the road with his focus and his cane so of course people who know Alfonso know that he he had a Problem with his leg, and he walked with a cane the entire time he came here with, with that, with that uh, debility. And it sure was it, from was it his from. childhood. Wow. He had polio ah. when he was five years old, and yeah. then
3: that, that problem followed
2: yeah. him till the end of his life. Yeah. I found that amazing because he was in so many places, seemingly at the same time, and always walking. And it never stopped him, yeah. <laughs> and then the last verse is uh, he knocks the enemy down with his pen and his vision. And he will always live in the most profound part of our collective hearts, you know that poem
3: uh, for me evokes the image of uh, El Agua
2: opening the roads, and even doesn't he carry something I that could be like like a cane most certainly he has his his um... It's called a um, garabato that he uses to clear the road, to clear the brush out of the path. And, and Alfonso very much uh, reminded me has uh, the element of Elegoa. He very much carried that.
3: Yes. I never thought of it until this hearing this poem. Well, thank you so much, John Santos. We really appreciate your coming down to La Raza Chronicles you, to Nina. record this wonderful poem for our beloved friend. Alfonso Thank Texador. Thank you. Thank you for the opportunity, Nina. Alfonso Texador presente. Presente.
1: Next, we're going to listen to Cuando del África Salí. This is from John Santos' CD, Filosofía Caribeña, Volume 2, John Santos Sectet and Friends, Cuando del África Salí.
9: Que mundo más traidor Cuido El amor no quiere que yo toque tambor Que yo no toque tambor eso no lo aguanto yo El amor no
0: listening to La Raza Chronicles, Crónicas de la Raza. You can stay up on our news by liking our page on Facebook. You can also listen to past shows by listening to our archive on SoundCloud at soundcloud.com slash la raza chronicles. Muchas gracias y buenas noches.
8: All right.